It's religion today, it's ideology today, and our secularist friends also have a faith. Some kind of Disneyland fantasy. I know how this is going to get heard in the secular world. Where the pseudo-Christian masks are off. That's nonsense, ladies and gentlemen. Apologetics isn't just about giving answers to other people's questions. It's also about learning to question other people's answers or even question the question itself. In a Christian worldview. Well, welcome to Quantum number 274. Uh, Quantum, a podcast that looks at news and views from throughout the world from a Christian perspective, but open to all. Uh, Normally, I would be recording this in Sydney, but for the first time, we are recording it in Newcastle, where I have moved, God willing, to become pastor of Hamilton Presbyterian Church. Since I've moved to Newcastle in New South Wales, uh, we have to begin with this song. Sitting in a sleazy snack bar, sucking sickly sausage rolls. Slipping down slowly, slipping down sideways, think I'll sign off the door. Cause the fog on the tine is all mine, all mine. The fog on the tine is all mine. The fog on the tine is all mine, all mine. Fog on the tine is all mine. Could a copper catch a crooked cuff and make a could a copper comprehend? That a crooked coffin maker's just an undertaker who undertakes to be your friend. And the fog on the tine is all mine, all mine. The fog on the tine is all mine. The fog on the tine is all mine, all mine. The fog on the tine is all mine. Tell it to tomorrow, today will take its time to tell you what tonight will bring. Presently we'll have a pint or two together, everybody do their thing. That is the wonderful Geordies, uh, Lindisfarne, Fog on the Tyne. They could only get away with a line like could, could a copper catch a crooked copper maker? Could a copper comprehend that a crooked copper maker is just an undertaker who undertakes to be your friend? Um, that's the album of the week. I, I've been listening to different albums and I, that came into my head when we moved here. And um, it's I, I think it's an appropriate album for us. Not least uh, that song, Fog on the Tyne, Tell It to Tomorrow, Today Will Take Its Time to Tell You What Tonight Will Bring. <laughs> Presently, we'll have a pint or two together. Everybody do their thing. Well, we are going to look at... um, To tell you what tonight will bring, to tell you what's coming as well. Because I do think that there is a particular danger facing humanity. It is not climate change, nor is it war, nor is it disease. Though those are all there. But it's something we're going to bring on ourselves. Now, we'll come to that in a minute. But before I do, let's just mention some of the things that are going on in the world. Uh, We're not going to spend, we spent a lot of time on Israel and Gaza in the past couple of episodes. We're not going to do that. We're not forgetting the misery of the people in Gaza or indeed of the people in Israel and the ongoing and very difficult situation there. And I'm sure we'll return to it. Nor the thousands that continue to be killed in Ukraine, which again, so much for the world seems to have forgotten about. Nor... 
Can we forget things like the shooting in Maine, which as I'm recording this, it seems as though 22 people have been killed in that. And in case you think the world was completely mad, uh, just to let you know that Australian cricketers were offered counselling. No, not because of a defeat, but they were offered counselling in case the no vote in the Australian referendum happened, which it did. You know, sometimes it's really hard to get a sense of perspective, and that's what I'm trying to do here. And so we are. This is really the main theme I want to look at this week. And uh, I'll tell you what. I wonder if you recognise this from uh, just an unbelievably brilliant concept album. Take a look around you at the world we've come to know. Does it seem to be much more than a crazy circus show? But maybe from the madness something beautiful will grow in a brave new world. With just a handful of men We'll start, we'll start all over again All over again All over again All over again Shops and hospitals and barracks Right under their noses Right under their feet Everything we need Banks, prisons and schools We'll send scouting parties To collect books and stuff And men like you will teach the kids Not poems and rubbish Science So we can get everything working We'll build villages and towns And, and we'll play each other at cricket Listen Maybe one day we'll capture a fighting machine, eh? Learn how to make them ourselves and then... Wallop! Our turn to do some wiping out. Whoosh with our heat ray. Whoosh! And them running and dying. Beaten at their own game. That's David Essex singing uh, Brave New World in Jeff Wayne's, from Jeff Wayne's War of the Worlds. Still remains for me one of the most extraordinary albums ever. Now, in case you wonder, Brave New World was Aldous Huxley's 1932 novel set 600 years in the future. In a well-ordered society, citizens are required to take mind-controlling drugs, sex without love is compulsory, and test tube babies are commonplace because of a ban on pregnancy. George Orwell's 1984 came out around the same time, and it was deemed to be prophetic because of its overview of totalitarian regimes in the time of the Nazis and Hitler. But I think Aldous Huxley's Brave New World has been more prescient, a society controlled by drugs and entertainment. 
And uh, I think that's where we're going. And what I mean by, by that is this. I think the great danger that I'm talking about is transhumanism and this attempt to create a brave new world by recreating humanity. Now, this is not some kind of weird conspiracy. In fact, this is a guiding principle in so many of our elite uh, politics and, and scientists and others. So here, for example, is the trans-identified male Petra de Suter Paul, who was the prime, deputy prime minister of Belgium, um, in fact, is the deputy prime minister of Belgium since 2020, and was a member of the European Parliament. He gave a TED talk in Brussels, and uh, if I'm misgendering, too bad, because he's a man. He gave a TED talk uh, praising Aldous Huxley's Brave New World. Here's part of what he said. The message, of course, that I want to give here is that the future we're talking about, Aldous Huxley's dream, he wrote his book in 1932, remember? This future is happening now, and the whole question is, will you be in control of your own procreation in the future? And some people are afraid of totalitarian regimes that will take over and then manipulate embryos and give them the characteristics they want and so on. I don't believe that this is a real threat. One day, it will be perfectly normal to design your own child, to avoid genetic diseases, to enhance the characteristics of your children. There is a philosopher, Julian Savulescu, and I like to quote him, because he's, he's really a smart guy, and he's been thinking about this, and he says, if one day we can use gene technologies to enhance the characteristics of our children, we have the moral duty to do so. This will allow us to go towards the perfect family as we have envisioned it. And uh, the perfect family, of course, today is already a possibility. We're not talking about heterosexual uh, families as it was in the past. We are looking at uh, new possibilities that already exist, but we still need donor eggs and donor sperms and surrogates to obtain these families. But you can see the whole concept of rainbow families where sometimes two or three or four people come and they already visit our clinics asking to have one child, all three or all four of them. You can see a picture on the bottom right. This is really changing humankind, taking over our own evolution. And then you have different reactions to that idea. You have people that say, you can't do that, you can't change nature, you can't change our fate and take over our evolution. It would be against all kinds of things. And these people would say, you should stop this technology. Other people say, no, this is the future. This is really how we will survive if artificial intelligence might want to take over. We will have to uh, change our own genome and enhance our genes, make the, the humans of the future. And these people are, of course, uh, very optimistic about this technology and you know that this uh, philosophical school that really wants to take over human evolution is also called uh, transhumanism. Now that's the dystopian vision. Will you be in control of your own procreation? Design your own child, design your children, go towards the perfect family, which is not heterosexual, but rainbow families, where you can have three dads and two mums or whatever. It's a, it's a nightmare vision. It was a talk he entitled Telly Babies. Um, it, De Suter was a gynecologist. He praises gene ed editing and says it's, it's, mo it's a moral imperative. You know, wants to get rid of disabled people and everything else. 
he's very much, of course, for eugenics, which is ironic. Um, in a nation, in or you know, not a nation, but a, a continent that was so devastated by the eugenics-loving Nazis. In the world of Aldous Huxley, he says, procreation is not something that's connected with sexuality or with relationship or family building anymore. You just go to a clinic or factory if you wish. You give your gametes. After so many months, you pick up your child, which has been genetically enhanced and designed according to the features you want. This is a powerful man in Europe. This is a man, by the way, who was accused of having a conflict of interest when he campaigned to alter laws to permit the surrogacy industry. He himself had personally profited from surrogacy practices in the hospital where he worked in the University Hospital of Ghent, and he developed a surrogacy clinic in India called Seeds of Innocence. I think this attempt to engineer humanity, to re-engineer our biology, to create transhumanism, I think this is the big issue coming our direction as those who like power seek to manipulate and twist human nature. Those who like control seek to do that. Now, I started this segment with uh, a song about Brave New World and... uh, I'm sorry, but I have to play this song. I say I'm sorry because there are one or two of you listening to this who do not appreciate my impeccable taste in music. But just to educate you a bit further, this is Iron Maiden with some of their song, Brave New World. Dying swans, twisted
I think that perfectly describes what I've just been talking about. In case you missed the very clear lyrics, dying swans, twisted wings, beauty not needed here, lost my love, lost my life in this garden of fear. I have seen many things in a lifetime alone. Mother, love is no more. Bring this savage back home. Wilderness, house of pain, makes no sense of it all. Close this mind, dull this brain, Messiah before his fall. What you see is not real. Those who know will not tell. All is lost. Sold your souls to this brave new world. Well, as Christians, we don't do that. Okay, I try and do a country of the week each week, and this country, I'm sure you will know its national anthem. That is, of course, the national anthem in Spanish of Argentina. Translated, hear mortals the sacred cry, freedom, freedom, freedom. Hear the sound of broken chains, see noble equality enthroned. Their most worthy throne have now opened the united provinces of the south, and the free people of the world reply to the great Argentine people, good health. I hadn't realised Argentina was such a massive country. It is 2,780,400 square kilometres. That's huge. I mean, Scotland's only 80,000. It's just a massive size of country with a population of 46 million. Now, what's interesting is that's declined a million in over a year. The other thing that's fascinating about Argentina for me, well, there's many things fascinating. British people, I guess, uh, no, Lionel Messi, and now Americans seem to know him. Um, Diego Maradona, the Falklands War. But 79% of the Argentinian people are of European ancestry, of which an astonishing 60% have some form of Italian genes. Uh, the Welsh were also there in some strength. Maybe that's why the Argentinians are so much are getting so good at rugby. Um, they there's even Welsh-speaking parts of Argentina, or there were, but small. The word Argentina was first found on a Venetian map in 1536. It comes from the Spanish language, uh, 
but in Italian it means made of silver. Um, I think that it was given this name by the Venetian and Gionese navigators. In religion, now this one surprised me. I had thought it would be more, but 59% of the population say Christianity, of which uh, more than half would say Catholic. In fact, much more than that. It's about half the population are Catholic and about 10% other Christian. What I was surprised at was the 40% who say no religion. News in Argentina, well, what came to my mind, uh, and we'll return to this because there was an election in which the right-wing candidate, Javier Millet, was expected to win, but the left-wing, the economy minister, Sergio Massa, who has presided over an economic disaster, is actually ahead. So he's got 36% of the vote, and Millet has got 30%, uh, at a time when inflation in Argentina is nearing 140%. So there will be a second round on the 19th of November. And in effect, the choices between Massa from the left-wing Peronist movement and Millet, a far-right uh, or what the BBC call a far-right libertarian. Uh, we shall see what happens, because the third candidate, who's dropped out now, Patricia Buric, was a conservative former security minister, who came third with 24%, and I suspect most of that would go to uh, Mr. Millet, but who knows? Anyway, we featured Canada a while ago, and I just wanted to play this clip, because I just thought it was... Uh, I thought this was really funny. And if you can, uh, as always, I put links on the website, www.theweefly.com, uh, to all these stories and links to this clip, which has kind of gone viral. This is Pierre Polivier from, uh, the, he's the Canadian opposition to Trudeau. The con he's a conservative. Um, what does that mean? Certainly you tap uh, very strong ideological language quite frequently. Like what? Uh, left wing, you know, this and that, right wing, they, you know, I mean, it's that, that type I of ideological thing. I never really talk about left but or right. Anyways, a lot I of don't really believe in that. Okay. A lot of people would, would say that you're simply taking a page out of the Donald Trump uh, book. Like which people would say that? Well, I'm sure a great many Canadians, but... Like who? <laughs> I don't know who, but... Well, you're the one who asked the question, so yeah. you must know somebody. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm sure there's some out there, but anyways, the, the point say. of this the point of this question is, I mean, why should why should Canadians trust you with their vote, given, you know, not not just the sort of ideological inclination in terms of taking the page of Donald Trump's book, but what are you also, talking about? What page? What page? Can you give okay. me a page? Give me the page. You keep <laughs> in, saying in terms that. in terms of tur turning things quite dramatically in terms of of Trudeau and, and the left wing and all of this. I mean, you, you, you make quite a, you know, it's, it's quite a play that you make on it. So I'm, I'm not just sure. I don't, under, I don't know what your question okay. is. Then forget that. Why should Canadians trust you with their vote? Common sense. Okay. Common sense for, for a change. We're going to make common sense common in this country. We don't have any common sense in the current government. I, I just love that interview, and I'll tell you why. Because... Apart from the fact you hear the chomping sound, he's just chewing, he's eating an apple while answering with utter disdain. Just, again, in this brave new world, we've got this kind of idea of um, 
just putting things in such cliches. So, for example, the populist pathway appealing to people's more emotional levels. You really think it's only Trump that does that? Here in Australia, when we had the voice referendum, our Prime Minister told us to vote with our hearts and to be kind. In the debates about Palestine and Israel, how much of it is about emotion? Very strong ideological language, left wing or right wing. Do you really think the left wing don't use very strong ideological language? And then I love that bit where he goes, a lot of people, and and Pierre Polivier says, well, who? Name someone. And of course he can't, because basically that's gossip and rumour. You read it in The Guardian, you read it on the internet, you read it, you heard it on the BBC, you read it in the Daily Mail or The Spectator, and therefore it must be true. No, it doesn't have to be true. If you're going to make a statement like that, you better have answers if people start questioning you. I don't know if this brave new world is going to include a brave new Canada, but Canada really needs to step back from the brink. But can we build our brave new world through education? given that cultural Marxism has taken over so many of our educational establishments. Well, this and the whole clip I can't play because it's eight minutes, but uh, here's a bit of Bill Maher offering advice to American young people. I have one piece of advice for the youth of America. Don't go to college. And if you absolutely have to go, don't go to an elite college, because as recent events have shown, it just makes you stupid. (laughs) There are few, if any, positives to come out of what happened in Israel, but one of them is opening America's eyes to how higher education has become indoctrination into a stew of bad ideas among them the simplistic notion that the world is a binary place where everyone is either an oppressor or oppressed. In the case of Israel, oppressors being babies and bubbas. The same students who will tell you that words are violence and silence is violence were very supportive when Hamas terrorists went on a rape and murder rampage worthy of the Vikings. They knew where to point the fingers at the murdered, and then it was off to ethics class. <laughs> now. I I just thought that was brilliant. That's what I've been trying to say. It's funny because Bill Maher is left-wing, and yet he's warning about this stuff. Later on, he goes on to say, if ignorance is a disease, Harvard Yard is the wet market. And that is so true. We keep being told education. The educated vote for the EU. The educated vote for The Voice. The educated vote. They don't... It's not the educated. It's the indoctrinated. Let me go back to my album of the week, which is Lindisfarne's Best Of. We had Fog on the Tyne. Uh, this is Meet Me on the Corner. Hey, Mr. Dreamseller, where have you been? Tell me, have you dreams I can see? I came along just to bring you this song. Can you spare one dream for me? You won't at me and you'll soon forget so don't mind me tugging at your sleeve I'm asking you if I can fix a rendezvous for your dreams are all I believe meet me on the 
Now I'd love to play you more of that album. There's just such great songs in it. Lady Eleanor being another one. Um, There's 20 songs on it and I would say at least 10 of them are fabulous. But Mr. Dream Seller, maybe in our brave new world we get sold dreams. But in our brave new world we need to be really careful too. There's a tendency for Christians to think that because we are conservative theologically that we should associate with conservative politics. And we need to be really careful about that. Because whilst there may be, how will I put it, a similarity of interest on some issues, just as there are with left wing on some issues, don't buy into everything. The, the the right, and very much the populist right, as well as the populist left, don't have a solid basis for ethics. So listen to this clip from the conservative commentator Paul Murray with Pauline Hansen, who's considered uber right wing. So just listen to this. Now, there is a plan for a school formal uh, and... Two uh, girls that are in a relationship, they would like to go to their school formal, but they go to a Catholic school. The Catholic school has said no because of their position when it comes to same-sex relationships. They should be able to go to the formal. Let's be honest here, okay? Now, no one's going to be having sex at the formal. No one's going to be pashing at the formal. God forbid some people are going to hold some hands. Mm, that is not sure about that. That is... what. Well, <laughs> oh, Okay, different formal than I went to, but still, all right. Which is, <laughs> <laughs> which is, sure, surely this is a scenario, Pauline, where again, right? I understand about forcing people, uh, forcing a church to marry people in the church, but the idea that the school says that two girls can't hold hands uh, and go to the formal together. It seems to me to be ridiculous, or am I just lost in a lefty haze? No, Paul, I I agree with you. I can't see any problem with it. You know, we've allowed same-sex marriage in Australia. That was voted by, um, in a plebiscite by the Australian people. Um, We actually said daily basis on our TV programs that we watch, whether it's on, you know, Facebook or all the kids. You know, it's part of life. It is part of life. So I think to deny these two girls to go to the formal, um, I think it's ridiculous. As you said, it's, it's a formal, and I think they should have the right to actually go. Yeah, I mean, again, right, we're not talking about the after party, we're not talking about... Now you see, Pauline Hanson and later on a Labour councillor and everyone, the whole panel and Paul Murray, this is utterly ridiculous that a Catholic school would not allow uh, a couple of girls to come to their school social uh, as a couple. And Pauline Hanson, uber right-wing Pauline Hanson, thinks it's ridiculous. 
And yet, what is ridiculous is Pauline Hansen and others seeking to impose their values on the church school. They think they are now modern. They're just going along with the culture. The Labour councillor went on to say people should be able to love who they love. They should be able to bring them whole selves, their whole selves, whatever they are. Well, if they're an alcoholic, what if they're a drug addict? What if they're a pedophile? Oh, but people say, that's ridiculous. You're comparing us. No, what I'm, I'm not comparing, I'm saying the logic of your position allows for that. And for you to sit in a studio and just disdain that the Catholic Church is seeking to uphold Christian values is as totalitarian as any uber left-wing progressive. Maybe it might be a good idea if people like Paul Murray had people on who could explain the situation rather than just all mock together. In the brave new world, the ethics of our modern society, our brave new modern ethics, self-destruct. All right, let's say something about sport. I never thought I would play this, but uh, because every time England played, we would hear about 1966. Still, as a Scot, I guess we always went back to 13, 14, so maybe I shouldn't have said that. But uh, anyway, remember this? Some of you old enough to remember this? Now then, is yes. the referee looks at his watch. Any second now, it will all be over. 30 seconds by Howard Watson, the Germans are going down and they can hardly get up. It's all over, I think. No, it's... And here comes Hurst, he's got some people around the pitch, they think it's all over. It is now, it's four. It's all over. Bobby Charlton. It's all over for Bobby Charlton because he played in that. He and his brother Jack, of course, um, he died this week. He had scored two goals in the semi-final against Portugal, which took him there, took them to the World Cup final. I find the two Charlton brothers um, great adverts for the north of England and for the English football team. Uh, England are struggling world one-day cricket champions and they are about, in fact they are out of the competition really, having just lost to Sri Lanka and then on sport I thought I would play this, I just I came across this, I thought it was absolutely brilliant, here's Ronnie Barker. And finally the draw for next year's Wimbledon doubles championship was made tonight, there will be a confused opening round in which a woman and a man who used to be a woman uh, meets a man and a woman who used to be a man <laughs> The winner of that match will play a man who became a woman but is now a man again, partnered by a woman who's saving up to be a ball boy. Yeah, ahead of his time. And then, church. I don't have much to say about the church except sometimes religion can be so stupid or people attempting to, to, to marry religion to contemporary um, progressive ideology. Listen to this from Ben Shapiro. Yesterday... Congress opened with a prayer. The prayer with which Congress opened is, I believe, the stupidest thing I have ever heard in all my life. In all my life. And I've heard many stupid things. I mean, I literally do a political talk show. So I hear stupid things on a daily basis. So yesterday, the, the person who opens with the opening prayer, Democratic Congress, obviously, opens by saying this. 
We ask it in the name of the monotheistic God, Brahma, and God known by many names, by many different faiths. A man and a woman. So just to be straight, this human said, amen and a women. And now, as the designated Jew in your political life, let me just remind you as a, as a Hebrew speaker, the word amen is not an English word. It comes from the Hebrew word, amen, which you say after prayers, which can originally be traced etymologically speaking to the word emet, which means truth. The idea of amen is solidarity, right? May it be so, or it's true, right? It's what amen means. Okay, it was then brought into Greek and Latin and then passed along to English. The word amen has literally nothing to do with gender. Amen and our women. Wow. Amen and our women. I mean, as Shapiro points out, amen's got nothing to do with men. It's got nothing to do with gender. But listen, that doesn't matter to people who don't think, who've been educated probably in Harvard, but don't think and don't understand how language has been twisted. Uh, last week, we didn't look at Seek. This week, we do. It's Seek uh, chapter 13. And I'll introduce it with this wee clip. It was 1944 when the Gestapo came. Hiding Place is a film you'll never forget. From the best-selling book comes this true story of innocence and hatred. That is Cory ten Baum, uh, the film The Hiding Place. Uh, if you've not seen it, please do see it. If you've not read the book, please do read the book. Um, the question in Seek is the good lie. If someone wants to kill maybe my parents, is it okay to lie to him and save my parents? Or would God punish me for lying, even when I'm lying to save my parents? And we read Joshua 2, and we consider what lying is, and deliberately telling falsehoods. We look at the story of George Washington, which ironically was itself a lie. And we consider Corrie ten Baum, when, is it right to lie? Is it always wrong to lie? And so on. Um, you can go to the website where I've just put up that chapter on the website, or better still, just go get the book. Um, and pass it on to others as well. The Brave New World for the Christian is not we're going to recreate or create a utopia on earth. The Brave New World is the renewal of all things that comes at the return of Christ, the new heavens and the new earth. And we will go through much suffering to enter that world, but we do, and it is coming, and it's so worthwhile. So... Thanks to Peter for producing this. Thanks to all of you who've been in touch. Please do get in touch. Let me know your comments and thoughts and uh, constructive criticisms and ideas and music and uh, everything else you want to talk about. Feel free to do so. But uh, God bless you. And may we look forward to that world where there will be no more pain, suffering, sorrow or sighing. And we won't be kind of dead human robots or transhumans, but we will be fully human because we will be fully in God's image without any taint of sin or disease or the consequences of sin in any way. 
we're going to finish with this song, Here We Stand, which uh, has come from Dave Whitcroft and uh, the group he works with, KD Music, I think it's called. This is a new song written for their Reformation, written in response to seeing families in his home church lose a series of dearly loved members, family members. There comes an I leave you from my new home and in the brave new world of Newcastle, New South Wales. New world for me. I'll see you next week. Bye.